Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Life is hard. The words sunk deep into my psyche as I listened to my friend with very sad eyes. She had come to visit us from Colorado. She and her sister carried the weight of heaviness, and I sat with her pain. I felt the burden of dashed dreams and hopes, a clear contrast of what she thought life would be, and the crushing crash of reality. I had nothing to say. A Puritan pastor once wrote rather grimly, "It is folly to think to steal to heaven." With a whole skin, no one gets through this life unscathed. As Brendan mentioned last week, we are witnessing a lot of darkness these days. It is easy to see the compelling evidence of life is not right, not fair, and certainly not kind. I believe John the Baptist shared in the hardship and disillusionment we feel. His was not just the outward circumstances of wilderness living and proclamation. But darkness of another kind, darkness can surprise us. Yes, life is hard and obscure. We like the easy answers, the clarity of definitive descriptions, especially when it comes to areas of faith. Whatever grounding we have in Scripture, the reading of the Word, teaching from theologians, and our own discipleship, we carry lots of ideas. We carry stories, narratives of our lives, our relationship with Christ, and the counsel of many we respect. We do our best. In moments when confusion comes upon us, we can look to the written word of God and logically build a case of understanding. Conclusions can sustain us, but there comes a time when the question of why captures our soul. Author and friend of mine, Carolyn Custis James, writes. The moment the word "why" crosses your lips, you are doing theology. By definition, every one of us is a theologian if we engage in the study of God. Each question and each journey through faith, institutions, Sunday school, and experiences brings us to a system of beliefs. These understandings hold us or guide us as we navigate life. Scripture teaches us that in this world we will have trials and tribulations. The New Testament is riddled with the stories of martyrdom and imprisonment. Yet we are often surprised when the foundations of our faith begin to break apart. Carolyn calls this disruption. She writes, "Unwelcome disruptions are significant markers in my journey with God." That exposes flaws in my theology and drove me to ask questions I would otherwise never have asked. Disruptions shape our stories and our theology. Like Carolyn, I have experienced these disruptions, or what I call confrontations, numerous times. And when these collisions with God take place, there is often pain involved. When exposed to the brilliant light of truth, revelation occurs. When beliefs or stories are exposed, God's grace gives us choices. 
options that require letting go of illusions, assumptions, and maybe even misplaced faith. We discover and are surprised by thoughts and beliefs that do not align with God's truth, and so a stronger faith emerges. John the Baptist had this experience. Jesus the Christ describes John this way. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Lest we forget, John the messenger of God found celebrating in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth. When Mary, the handmaiden of God, enters with the Lord Jesus Christ in her womb, John knows. As Mary sings of the glorious work of God, John the Baptist joins her in praise. As these women rejoice in their miraculous pregnancies, John is participating in some unfathomable way that Messiah is here. This is a John who gave up his life to live in the desert. His diet of honey and locusts were unique, to say the least. His appearance was not what one would expect as the herald of the true king. No trumpet or royal garb for this wild man. I cannot imagine him smelling very good either. Living in the wilderness does carry a certain perfume. John is the one when asked to baptize the Lord Jesus Christ, pushes back from the request. His faith demonstrated a deep knowledge of Jesus and knew that he, John, was not worthy of such a task. He acknowledged he wasn't even qualified to tie the shoes of Almighty God, yet in obedience, he placed Jesus' head into the water and saw the glory of God and heard the voice of God say, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. John knew. John comprehended that the one foretold in the prophets was here and described his relationship with Christ this way. Christ must increase, but I must decrease. Son of Elizabeth, man of God, chosen by God and loved by God, he is known for his words, prepare ye the way of the Lord. He led a most faithful life. If there was ever a Christian resume, his would be the most impressive. But John had been placed in prison, and now John is in literal darkness. Confined in a jail of pending death, questions, fears, and doubts begin to surface. Who of us in sincere faith have not been in this place? Who of us have not experienced genuine confusion and darkness? We can relate to John. Some call such episodes in our faith as a dark night of the soul, a crisis of faith, or even in modern terms, deconstruction. No Christian who pursues God honestly can avoid these times. John is experiencing a confrontation of his life, what he has given his life to, what he has believed, and in whom he has placed his faith. These times are alarming at best and dark on a whole new level. Like John, if we take our trust in God seriously, we will have moments of being locked into a theological prison. We will question everything we were told and taught. We will question everything. These are intense times. When our faith is unreserved, our understanding tested, we can find ourselves laid flat in bewilderment. 
When these confusing times arrive, our grounding in Scripture and belief in Christ can feel as if our anchors are crumbling and our surety flooding away in ruin. John knew the Pentateuch, the prophet, and the Psalms. He knew Psalm 146 where it said, Happy are those who have the God of Jacob for their help. Happy are those whose hope is in the Lord their God who gives justice to those oppressed. And the Lord sets the prisoners free. John's faith structure is called to question. For surely this God would rescue him. Surely he would deliver Abraham's people from the Romans. And yet, John's dark night in prison works to deepen his faith. He understands the writings of old, but not fully. He thought he knew, but he didn't. John only knew in part as we only know in part. In the realm of unknowing, we can get tripped up. Jesus came and is here on his own terms. The grace of God is here, and the goodness intended can get clouded by circumstances or expectations of who we think God is and our definition of good. It is a fight for our faith. It is a normal component for the people of God. Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities that we do not see. In our turmoil, we can turn our own judgment on God based on what we would do if we were God. We, along with John, come with piercing questions. Are you the one who is to come? Or are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? John is filled with a penetrating desire to know. This is not the script, not the story he had written. Like John, we ask, are you the one? Brian Zahn writes, and when everything is on fire, faith does not have to perish in the ashes of theological deconstruction. The particular challenges of our secular age do not have to be a dead end to our faith. There is a way forward. We can proceed, but it does require a putting down of what we thought. As odd and wild was John the Baptist, our Christ is even more so. God will not be limited by our beliefs, but gives an open invitation to step out of our prisons of misconceptions. This is scary. This is resurrection. This is light dispelling the darkness. When faced with questions of faith, we also then have the choice of trust. If one dedicates themselves to God, there will be hardships. Paul the Apostle speaks of many trials. John the Baptist was beheaded. Christ was crucified. We can only wonder how John the Baptist responded to Christ's answer. I'd like to think that John had a fuller grasp and understanding of faith affirmed. I have skipped a page. I am going to go back. I am so sorry. (laughs) So let's go back to... Okay, this is the light dispelling the darkness. When faced with questions of faith, we also then have the choices of trust. So sorry. So when John's discipleship brought the question to Christ, Jesus speaks the truth. Jesus said, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Jesus uses the words of the prophet Isaiah. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. 
Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongues of the speechless sing for joy. But notice Jesus adds, Blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. Don't miss this. So I'm going to repeat it again. Blessed are we who take no offense in God. Blessed are we when confronted with the who is the great I am. Do not stumble. Do not trip on the cornerstone. Blessed are we when in our troubles we do not walk away from our faith. James writes, My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and that endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. And further on, blessed is anyone who endures temptation. Such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised. If one dedicates themselves to God, there will be hardships. Paul the Apostle speaks of many trials. John the Baptist was beheaded. Christ was crucified. We can only wonder how John the Baptist responded to Christ's answer. I'd like to think that John had a fuller grasp and understanding of faith affirmed. I'd like to think he found peace as his trust in Christ was restored. I'd like to think in this dark place of his prison, his spirit rose in the knowledge that Jesus is indeed the Christ. He may have even prayed, not my will, but thine, as Jesus cried out in the garden. When we face these moments of crisis, when the light of God seems so very dark, when our systems of faith are confronted with a new reality, what might be our response? What might God's piercing light bring into our shadow world? God breaks through with truth. It does not condemn or judge, but reveals. The disruptions, dark nights, and deconstructions are truly about constructing that which is solid and true. It is metamorphosis. Joan Chittister, a Benedictine sister, writes, We learn faith very slowly. At least I did. It took a whole series of changes before I got the message that God is in the next place as surely as God is in this one. Dear brothers and sisters, when the foundations of our faith are shaking, when doubts encumber our sight, when the disruptions, the confrontations, and when the lack of clarity shrouds, lean in. God is with you. When circumstances shock, broken dreams and expectations shattered, lean in. The light that dispels the darkness will illuminate these places with new depths, new understandings, more worship and wellness to your souls. Joy does not come from the deliverance of trials, but in the midst. God is with us. God is. John needed to know Jesus was God. We all grapple with, is Jesus God? And if so, can I trust? In closing, I would like to quote Joan Chittister again. Choice is a very strange thing. We so often choose what we know. Our context limits our options, and later we discover more. What happens then? Can we choose again? Only with wrenching, only with pain. 
No, I am not sure we really choose as freely as we would like to think. But I am sure that in the choices we do make, that we discover what life is all about. Some of it is barely bearable. Some of it is joyful where we would have expected it to be. And all of it is the stuff of holiness. None of it is to be excluded. It is finding God through baptism by life. That, in the, it, that is the real gauge of our inwardness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.